Good afternoon, good morning, and welcome back to the FFS podcast. I'm your host, Prady, once again, and this is episode number three of the podcast coverage of the FIFA World Cup 2022 in Qatar. For today's episode, we're going to be recapping what happened in the quarterfinal round of the FIFA World Cup, and we'll also hint and talk about the semifinals and what we're going to be expecting from the next knockout phase. Joining me on today's podcast, we've got two very special guests. Uh, we've got, they've been on the podcast multiple times, uh, and uh, Arjun and Aaron, uh, I'm glad we could have you on here. We're going to skip over introductions because we've had you on the podcast multiple times. I'm sure you're sick of trying to say the same things over and over again. So if you don't know who they are, I recommend you go check out our previous podcast. That will also help get the viewership numbers up for the older ones. Um, but Let's get talking about the quarterfinal stage of the World Cup. Now, if you've been watching our coverage of the World Cup, we we covered the group stage by playing Jeopardy. It's a US-based game uh, game show. Then we went, uh, we did we recap the round of sixteen stage by playing a version of Code Names, where we had people guess the players managers or the countries that were involved in the round of 16 stage and now for this particular stage we have i wouldn't say it's a game but we're going to try and recap it in a different way uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to have our guests recap the quarterfinal games but they're only going to have 90 seconds to tell us everything that happened in the four games across the weekend uh, I, I would say friday evening concerts weekend so yeah let's let's call that so let's. So what I'm going to do is first let me share my screen, and then I'll tell you what we're going to be doing. All right. So there we go. All right. So as you can see, we've got like a roulette wheel. Roulette, roulette. Uh, yeah. So we've got a spinning wheel there. Uh, they've got the four games that happened in the quarterfinals, and we're going and we'll start in alphabetical order. So we'll start with Aaron. Uh, before that, I'll just put up a timer just so that I am ready to go when you are. So that's one minute, 30 seconds. Great. All right. So, Aaron, your first, the game that you will have to review is. Oh, Morocco, Portugal. All right. So you're, you've got 90 seconds to recap whatever happened in the Morocco, Portugal game. Um, and your time starts now. Well, to start off with, let's say wishful thinking works because I did say that I wanted Morocco through. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the game basically was set up just as we called it. Uh, we knew that Portugal would probably be more of the aggressors in that game. But um, like we said, all tournament is just the fight and the desire that Morocco has been displaying throughout the tournament. We had a couple of casualties along the way, and yeah, that day was no different. So, yeah, we, uh, I think we've got a centre-back that's off now. So, interesting times for them. But yeah, in general, the game was pretty exciting to watch. Morocco had their moments. Uh, the one that sticks in your mind was probably the one-on-one -on -one chance towards the end of the game where uh, it was a horrible attempt at a chip over the goalkeeper but yeah i mean you you can't take anything away from morocco because you did see glimpses of 
quite a few impressive runs that they had and i can't remember the name of the midfielder it was their number 8 that really made a couple of driving runs so yeah a really nice game good a good watch uh, portugal probably just didn't have the final ball but yeah i think uh, morocco's endeavor and just the drive and fight uh, was what got them through in the end oh brilliant all right great i uh, don't worry for those of you who are listening to this or watching this that's not how we're going to recap this we will delve into each of these games in greater detail so we're not just leaving it at 90 seconds and that's it uh, all right next arjun we've got your game and your game is i hope it doesn't fall on the same category but sure no all right your game is england versus france ooh that's a big one and your time starts now yeah i'm very very good tactical game um that's the one thing that stands out i think uh, i think before the game you've heard a lot about uh, england saying about project mbappe which was essentially just uh, kyle walker and jordan henderson doubling on mbappe and that kind of worked the whole game i think uh, france didn't create as much statistically their expected goals uh, was much lesser than england's i think england had double the amount of expected goals that france did uh, but england were not ruthless enough and i don't want to say this because it's an easy route out but you cannot have your national team captain who has not won anything in his career playing big games do this you he has he's the only reason england have not been in a world cup final and now not been in a world cup semi final single handedly so i think it was just individually playing uh, like not finishing well i think the players tried hard they fought much better than last time uh, england had the better chances but france were more ruthless france have been here before and they came out on top giroud wonderful header good chances again uh shaw many brilliant goal saka did everything good for england <laughs> all right great i was wondering whether you'd get to that i was wondering you whether we get to that we'll definitely i wanted i want to talk to about that in greater detail yeah. later on uh and the next one all right next one aaron yours is going to be so we've covered half fit oh you're going to be talking about your favorite team it's croatia versus brazil uh, playing a brazilian fan dirty here <laughs> exactly all right your time starts now um yeah i mean i think again we went through this over the last last podcast where we said that croatia is going to be one of those tougher teams to get by cuz just basically cuz everyone kind of underestimates them and underestimates the experience that they have in that squad i mean you can just take a look at a couple of their mainstays you've got lovren you've got modric and kovacic who's been around and done that one big trophies for their club so whole lot of experience there uh brazil we've always kind of pointed it out they have been not the best finishers let's say let's give uh, let's be a little bit kind to them but yeah they had plenty of chances throughout the course of the game to kind of get that goal and just weren't able to finish it uh i would say though that as we have praised neymar over throughout the course of this tournament he did have a relatively decent game 
and I, he was probably the only um, probably positive in that midfield that entire game uh, you, you could see the lack of imagination in that midfield when uh, Croatia was sitting back they were the creativity was lacking and I think that's what got them in the end. Croatia, yes, the experience, they've been around, they know when it comes to penalties and the later stages of the game, they're probably going to hold their nerves. So, yeah, credit to them. Awesome. Great. All right. And I suppose I'm not going to do the the time, the time wheel for the last one, uh, but it is going to be Netherlands versus Argentina. Oh, it actually falls very good because... We had the Brazil game reviewed by a Brazilian fan and we got a Dutch game re- being recapped by someone who is in the Netherlands. So, yeah. I'm, I'm glad for that. All right. So, Arjun, your time starts now. Yeah, glad to review what I think was the best game in this World Cup. Um, I think very physical game. 17 yellow cards. And that's something expected from both these teams because when you hear Netherlands, when you hear... Argentina, the first thing anyone thinks of is they just kick everyone around. And that's the kind of game that actually ended up happening. So, very good fight. I didn't even realize Dumfries was sent off like uh, for a second yellow at the end before the penalty shootout. Oh, no I wonder no I got it. Okay, no, sorry. Okay, never mind. Uh, but <laughs> tactically, for I think 75 minutes, it was Argentina all the, all the way. Uh, Netherlands got out of their strategy by bringing on Weghorst and De Jong, Luke De Jong. Uh, so they basically played like Route 1 football in the last uh, 10 minutes of normal time and extra time. Uh, very, very good fight back. I was impressed. Uh, I was more than surprised to see Netherlands fight back the way they did. I think tactically, uh, they brought on Derun for Kaufmanners and Berghorst for Bergwijn. Played better, but didn't really create much after that. Penalty shootout was amazing. Uh, one of the best I've seen in a long, long time. But uh, I think the yeah, individual players of the Netherlands were very disappointing in the game. And uh, I think Argentina created the more, better chances. But once Weghorst came on, he changed the game completely. So, brilliant watching it. Awesome. Yeah, I, that, I wanted to say, no wonder Dumfries got me minus three on fantasy team. I was wondering why. I was like, he didn't... I mean, fair enough, he let in two goals or... As a defense defensive unit, he let in two goals. But, yeah. oh my God. Okay, no wonder. I'm yeah, I didn't even realize he got sent off uh, during the game. Like, uh, I just saw the scoreboard after to to see, ah. like, when the subs were made. And I was like, oh, second yellow for Dumfries. Okay. <laughs> okay. That would have been interesting to see. All right. I mean, brilliantly recapped uh, all within the 90 seconds. Uh, so, I, I felt, yeah, 90 seconds was a good enough time. A limit for all for all these games. But all right, let's talk about we go in reverse order. So let's talk about the Netherlands Argentina because I suppose, like Arjun mentioned, this was probably the most exciting game in the quarterfinals, if not the entire tournament. Uh like the fact okay, uh Arjun, I wanna know because you were watching it, I suppose, in Netherlands amongst the Dutch people. So yeah. when they scored in the ninety whatever, eighth minute or which with the last seconds of the, the nine seconds of the game, how was the atmosphere then? Crazy. Like, uh, I think it was just a sea of orange. Um, I think the, there was also viewing at the Johan Cruyff uh, Arena. So, they, they made the stadium into like this massive viewing, uh, uh, yeah, viewing party. 
and it was it was like limbs like crazy uh i think even the free kick more than like i think the free kick was so well taken and so well rehearsed um i believe uh there were clips going around on twitter showing that weghorst was actually uh has done this before in a club game for wolfsburg uh exactly this in a free kick where he was as a decoy next to the wall the guy taking the free kick pass to him and then scored and exactly the same thing uh it was it was crazy but honestly this game i was kind of supporting argentina a little bit i i should not be saying this okay. because that's all right uh, yeah i think i think the the dutch are very negative when it comes to their own team i'm not generalizing but i just feel they're very negative but if you say something about it i think they get very defensive uh <laughs> so i was uh, discussing with one of my colleagues and he was saying that uh, yeah statistics don't matter cuz van hal will beat everyone and i'm like it doesn't work that way you know like even previously in the world cup in in even games against ecuador and stuff netherlands performed worse statistically against these teams and eventually that will catch up to them and for 80 minutes in this game it it did cuz they didn't they they were just not creating yeah. anything you know so i think the better team won and the better team deserved to win all right aaron this like what did you make yeah. of it I think similar I think for most part of the game majority of the game Argentina did have a good control a good handle on the game you the defenders weren't really troubled as much and you could see you could see it in the build up play of the Dutch it was really them trying to figure out what to do next because you saw a lot of square balls a lot of balls passed between the defenders and then eventually some once in a while even going back to the keeper just cuz they didn't know how to move forward so yeah it was a bit of a bit of a puzzling tactic that uh, maybe down to just the limitations of the creativeness in with the individual players but uh yeah argentina seemed like a well drilled machine they knew uh, the shape that they had to keep and they maintained it well throughout the game yeah a couple of hiccups with the two goals late on and that was down to more i think netherlands trying to change things up getting two big tall strikers in their um uh, their defenders also argentina not the tallest i mean uh, i think this was probably the first time where i was like hey automandi really does look small uh, when compared to the strikers up front so yeah i mean when you kind of throw that little bit desperation it always is a little bit difficult to defend against that because it's really unexpected balls just bob- bobbling around and yeah uh, like arjun mentioned that free kick or something uh that was unique something that you don't see many teams trying to do and so yeah not the easiest to kind of be prepared against but uh, yeah i think argentina well deserved that win and i think yeah experience with the penalties we've seen them even in the copa america they've been pretty solid so yeah you couldn't put it past them yeah i don't think it's the first uh, martinez has been involved in penalty shootouts before he's been quite the uh... Yeah. valuable it's a good record it's a very good yeah. record yeah so it, it wasn't very surprising that i mean i suppose if you had tim cruel then it probably be more exciting but the fact that netherlands didn't really have i mean he had an unknown quantity i didn't know the keeper that well to know whether he was a good penalty stopper or whatever but the moment it went to penalties you probably said that argentina maybe had the upper hand and uh, i know we'll talk about it a little while later but it 
even though he missed it, it was nice to see Van Dijk probably take the ball first up and try to take the penalty. He has scored penalties before and quite well, but poor penalty, but still, I mean, glad to... I, like I said, we'll talk about the, save, in the next game. Yeah. Both were very good saves. They weren't like bad penalties per se. Even Berghaus' shot was very, very strong and uh, yeah, just a good save. Yeah, and uh, the keeper chose the right direction, right? Like that's the main thing. Even if, uh, even if it was a lousy penalty, the keeper needs to kind of choose the right <laughs> direction to stop it. Uh, what did you guys make of the the number of yellow cards? Or the, I mean, the referee just seemed to have become Mike Dean reincarnated. He's ha- he's had this reputation, I think, in La Liga where he's been known to want to be the star of the show at times. Uh, and he's, I mean, I've seen it in the Champions League games as well, where you know he's sort of thought like, I want to make this, I want to run this show, and by doing that, he sort of tries to. He's, I mean, then he he probably should have had the whistle stuck to his mouth the entire game. The number of times it it rang. So I don't know what. Do you guys felt like it was a little too much that he should maybe let a few like just go on and let the game proceed or fair enough in the way he went about it? Anyone who wants to take? Um, I think, yeah, the ref does have a reputation to kind of be all gung-ho or trigger-happy with his yellow cards. Uh, but um, I think it may have been a little bit necessary in this game only because it was kind of getting a little bit out of hand towards the end of it. I think um, there was that incident where the ball was slammed into the Dutch dugout and uh, things got kind of carried away a little bit. But I think it was kind of necessary to put out a couple of yellow cards, maybe not quite as much as he did in the end, but just to kind of tell the players, you know, we've got a game to play over here and let's try and play the game rather than get under the opposition skin. So I think uh, it is a very fine balance when it comes to these type of games because, you know, players are under a whole lot of pressure and, you know, everyone is here to win. And when you're in the final stages of the tournament, everyone is desperate to get through. So you can't kind of hold it against the ref too much because you need to keep that balance of allowing the game to continue but also not letting things get out of hand because, again, uh, you are just one incident away from something terrible happening, so you might as well try and keep a check on players. So yeah, I think I think it was maybe a little too much, but I don't I don't see too much issue in it. Okay, Arjun. Yeah, I think like if you think about what the game, what kind of game it was, right? Like I haven't seen Messi after the game react that way ever <laughs> you know like you don't he's he's like Messi the best most decorated player in the world and in the post-match presentation he's like what are you looking at dummy to like big horse he called the guy right. dummy like yeah. if, if you have that kind of game you expect like that kind of reaction post-game the game itself is quite heated so my only criticism was like in those four like fights between the teams during different points of the game no, no yellow cards were given. Like even even in the mm. sequence that Aaron was mentioning, the only yellow card was given to Paredes when he made the foul, not when uh, the whoever it was who kicked the ball to the Dutch dugout. No one got uh, yellow carded. Van Dijk didn't get yellow card for like yeah, yeah he sent someone. he sent Paredes flying. <laughs> like he just ran. <laughs> like right it was it was 
pure emotion you know and i think that's how a game should be and when you hear like argentina and like the netherlands both those teams are quite physical so i think it was expected and i think yeah i mean if the game is physical you have to give yellow cards because if you analyze those individual challenges they were worthy of yellow cards and my criticism was probably like he was quite restrained i know it sounds a bit funny to say that because uh if, if you look at those fights more than one player should have been carded for it more than one but again i think in that situation he let the game flow so that both teams didn't end with like eight players on the pitch but uh yeah i think it was it was it was fun to see fair enough uh i i just want to point out that to those of you who watched the round of 16 recap uh, we did do predictions for the quarter finals and i will be very happy to announce that i predicted it quite well i did say that netherlands and argentina would go to penalties and that argentina would win um so and um, and on another prediction thing i got the scoreline as well spot on so thank you very much and yes that's a point to me uh all right let's move on to the next game on our list and that's the croatia versus brazil game oh also before i want before that i want to say that uh netherlands also probably have to thank me because i and aaron knows this so when it was 2-0 and it was like the, the like 80th minute or whatever i messaged on our group like private group saying that uh i'm going to sleep now uh wake me up when there's a goal the moment i close my eyes i kid you not i had the tv on though at and i had it uh, not on mute so there was a, i could hear what was going on the moment i like, kept my glasses on the side and i closed my eyes vegas scored the first goal and i was like shit i did say that i was like i'm going to sleep and they scored and yeah uh i didn't sleep after that obviously i was awake for the second goal so fortunately yeah that that was a really i'm glad that i stayed awake for that game and i didn't think that argentina would just keep it at 2-0 um so i'm glad that happened uh let's move on to croatia brazil and aaron let's talk about this in greater detail i know you might not want to but uh it felt i don't know what you you thought of the game but for me like uh, we watched it together but i don't like it felt very trap for a while like it felt like uh croatia came in with that clear game plan of just nullifying brazil's attack there even brazil were very poor like venetius was poor richarlison was his pigeon said the one time i put him on the fantasy team as a captain he decides to not show up um uh, but yeah neymar probably the brightest spark in that game what did you make of the the entire 120 minutes plus penalties um i i think like we said in the last podcast we kind of saw this coming uh i kept drawing back to the world cup back in brazil saying that you know let's not get carried away with that 4-1 victory that we had um only because again we've seen that midfield and though there was the one game where they got four goals you've seen it throughout the tournament where there is a lack of imagination in the center of the park it's predominantly the guys out wide that make the forward runs and that's how we get into the final third but uh, when a team like croatia is kind of solid at the back and is looking to defend first and then get you on the break uh, you do need some creativity in midfield you do need someone trying to probably take a couple of shots from distance just to drag defenders out to open up space and you didn't see that happening in brazil and 
with Brazil rather and you kind of saw saw it coming that it is going to be kind of a dog fight Croatia credit to them i mean we always know that when it comes against teams that are considered to be uh, more skilled or talented on paper they kind of try and get you towards the deep end of the game where you know there are tired legs and they get you on the break and it was amazing to see players as uh, you know like modric kovic as you could see them really dead tired towards the end of the game but they stuck it out kept kept to their task closed down spaces um, didn't allow vinicius anything didn't allow rafinha anything which then forced brazil into changes that they probably didn't want to make you saw rafinha vinicius going off much sooner than you normally would have taken them off um, then rodrigo coming in who was probably as invisible on the pitch as vinicius or rafinha were so um, yeah it kind of it kind of felt like brazil didn't have a plan b because the changes were probably just like for like rather than anything else so yeah. yeah disappointing but yeah we kind of did see this being as a stumbling block block for brazil and it turned out to be that way so yeah I, I don't think Rodrigo's. I, I don't think Rodrigo's invisible with that bleached hair of his. It was is definitely visible from from the screens. But yeah, well, he, he was, was he was lost amongst Neymar, Pedro, yeah. and the other bleached guys. So yeah, uh, you could argue both ways. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was it was difficult viewing for a while because I didn't know who I was watching. I didn't know whether it was Neymar, whether it was Richarlison, whether it was Rodrigo, whether it was uh, Anthony at one point. So yeah, it was. crazy arjun like aaron mentioned like there was this like tita was probably forced to make these changes early on or, or maybe sooner than he'd want to did you think as well that like he maybe should have kept on those players for the longer for for longer knowing that they weren't anyway getting the breakthrough perhaps this was going to go the extra mile so maybe even if they weren't going to score now rather bring the fresh legs later on um i think if you think about the game as a whole like croatia's only sh- shot on target was their goal yeah so yeah like if you keep a team out for 110 odd minutes i think game plan was you're doing the right thing right like you're playing in a in a attacking formation enough to shut the nullify the uh, strengths of the opposition but again like the substitutions as i had mentioned all of them were like for like so yeah very disappointed with anthony like i think he only has like a he's a bit of a one trick pony a little bit maybe rodrigo on that side would have been better uh yeah i'm not saying this because i'm an arsenal fan but martinelli statistically was yeah. very very good this world cup i think he uh in in like all statistics across all teams i think he uh, has most amount of touches in the penalty box for a brazilian player and he's only started a single game and that's what you needed in a game like yesterday you know you needed sorry friday you needed like more directness you needed someone to actually take the ball run with it and do something even neymar didn't do anything until the goal like he was quite anonymous until the goal my biggest criticism of why they lost was they celebrated at half time of extra time they were all celebrating i'm like guys the job is not done you have 15 yeah. more minutes to play you know and even the subs that tete bought on then was 
Fred for Paqueta and Alexandro for whoever the left back was Danilo. Yeah, so, no, no, so, they took out Militao. That's even sorry, worse. Militao for Militao for uh, Alexandro. So, yeah. like, make defensive changes. Like, you should have the guts to remove like Rodrigo, bring on a defender, or like you know, you it's a it's a World Cup. It's a tactical game. Like. Be defensive, like finish the game out, see the game out. Like I think that's why also Tite had to take responsibility and resign because it was his job to keep the players focused, and they like, just lost focus. My thing yeah. is, they didn't play, they didn't do anything creative for the first hundred and five minutes. But once they scored the goal, they decided, okay, now's the time to play football. When in fact, that's the time you should sit back stop, and yeah. Nalif, yeah, just I stop playing. Yeah, I mean, even if the game is drab, right? Like, yeah. now Croatia are chasing the game. Yeah. Right? And, and, you, and it's in your, your stance or your... You have three fresh attackers. Croatia is chasing, chasing the game. You don't need to take the game to them. Yeah. And this is not any complicated, like, tactical wisdom, nothing. This is just simple football. Like, there's no shame in winning a game 1-0. Like, you could... Yeah. Just hold back, relax, let Croatia come to you, exploit the you're gas. Here to, the you're here yeah. to win games and make it through to the later stages of the World Cup. You're not here to please fans to, or in playing creative football. I mean, if you do that and win, great. That's great. the best yeah, yeah. option. But if you can't just win the game, you you've after so much of effort, 105th minute, you scored one goal. Come on. you all A you very good goal. Great. A very good yeah. goal. A very well-worked well yeah. goal. Walked through the entire like Croatian team to score. Like, yeah, even if you hold back, you will have chances to score after that, you know. So, yeah, I think the substitutions were wrong. I think uh, initially the three they should not have taken off all the three forward players. Uh, and then at the I end, agree. once you scored, like the substitution should be more tactical, not like for life. I agreed wholeheartedly with why they didn't bring. Martinelli on like I I was talking we were talking even during the match when Aaron and I we were watching it together like we're like why would you bring like some like have Pedro or you have uh you know Rodrigo playing on the left was weird and then you have Anthony who wasn't doing anything I was like they then it was a matter of who would you bring I was like sub off Anthony I know you just brought him on sub him off he's doing nothing I don't care if it looks bad Sub him off and bring on Martinelli because I know that he is he's in the he's in good form even for club and country. So bring him on, let him do something, let him attempt. Uh, I know they've lost out on Jesus being uh, injured. That's that's unfortunate, but yeah, it's just it's a bit sad. Uh, the mid we've all praised Brazil. We all thought they were the favorites, but I think when you look down, when you look at it, I mean the midfield does is like all. It's one-sided. It's one-dimensional. They all play similar. They sort of missing like the Coutinho uh, type, a Coutinho or a Oscar type, maybe Cam or a, a someone who can create. I know Neymar plays the Cam role anyway, but apart from him, you need someone to support him. He can't do everything by himself. Like Benish To be honest, I think the midfield much. is quite well balanced, though. Like when you have Casemiro playing with. Paqueta and uh, whoever your third midfielder is, I think no, it's quite balanced. It's like, initially fine, but like you, when you can't break down teams, you need to have someone who can take the shots from far. Like Casemiro is that player, but he takes too long to take the shot. Like we saw once, like he had the ball and he's like, preparing to shoot. By that time, the the Croatian defender just uh, the 
midfielder came and stole the ball away by the time he could take the shot. So I'm not saying as a starting eleven, fine, it's balanced, but I feel like maybe someone else on the bench who could who is that difference maker. I mean, the only way to add something in midfield would be to take off an attacker because you're playing. They're playing with four attackers, right? So you can't really yeah. have two people in a pivot who are very attacking. I think Paqueta is quite quite attacking for being in a midfield pivot role. Uh, yeah. If they want, they could have brought on Bruno Kimaraes, who's playing again. Oh yeah, very he was actually. Awesome. There. I forgot about him. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I I don't think it was a it was a formation issue or anything. It was just pure like mentality, you know, like like just fifteen minutes celebrate after. Like why why before, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, th- I th- in terms of the predictions, we did say that Croatia would put up a fight, but I kind of predicted that Brazil would. Probably win it comfortably. I suppose I was going based off the previous game against Korea, but fair enough. I mean, fair play to Croatia. Uh, the keeper again, what a what an asset to have there. Like we've seen it last year, four years ago, when they won a lot of the knockouts in pen, as uh, during penalty shootouts or in penalty shootouts. The keeper was Subotic was insane there. Now they got Levakovic, I think. I mean, these guys just keep getting keepers who worked wonders for them. Uh, let's move on now to the third game. And uh, I think that is the England-France game. Uh, again, a huge game. What, uh, Arjun, what did you make of it? Like, as a whole, I know it's, it was tactical. It was, like, neither side. I, I, I expected France to probably blow away England, but I also felt that it would be closer. I, I, I expected France to win. I didn't expect them to blow away. I, I my prediction was that France would win. It would be quite tight. Uh, but like moments before the game, I felt like France were... I, I, I mean, I said, I told these guys, like, I feel it's not going to end up well for France. And I was somewhat right because they seem so lethargic. They seem like lack devoid of any sort of intent or pace that they normally have. I expected Mbappe to take on Maguire every single time. Or try something different, or Dembele, but yeah, it just felt quite stale. Uh, apart from you know, the, I thought the first goal would open things up, but it didn't. Uh, so, what did you make of the entire game? Yeah, I think the game completely was exactly what you said, right? Like very reserved. Like I don't think uh, the game was played on emotion a lot. Uh, I think uh, they did negate Mbappe quite well because they played Henderson. But France's defense is not the defense that won them the World Cup. They they were playing a lot of players out of position. I feel Varane was not the player he used to be, but still world class. Not the player he used to be. Um, Kunde was playing as the right back when he's played traditionally as centre back uh, in club football. Playing with Upamecano has made a lot of mistakes as well. Like like growing up, he's not like the finished product by any means. So why didn't England attack them? You could have they could have played Mason Mount instead of Jordan Henderson and actually taken the game to to France, you know? So I think they started off playing a bit negatively by their team selection and playing Henderson uh, and Walker for negating Mbappe, which basically meant that you're relying on individual brilliance to win. And that's what France had because both their goals were just very, very well worked. I think the yeah. first was uh, almost like no uh, 
no like uh, uh there was no build up play it just kicked out of the blue yeah it was out of the blue like no set no setup like it was just a very yeah. quick shot like a turn in a shot and yeah they deserved to score that goal and even uh, even before that like france didn't really have the chances i think dembele just was one very good chance but apart from that it was all england like england created the better chances the most of the play came from the the right so mbappe didn't really support his left back when saka was there uh, so yeah i think a lot of good attacks came on england's right so i think saka did really well uh, he also won them the penalty uh, i think he didn't get a lot of help cuz henderson tried to then switch with saka by playing on the right when saka went down the middle but uh, again like i don't think henderson should have started the game i think that also showed the mentality that they had they were too obsessed with closing down mbappe and then they let, let gaps in midfield so shamani scored and yeah it was it was a very tactical game i don't think it was the best game of the world cup but uh, it it was a very good story to 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 write you know because uh of the penalty misses and stuff yeah yeah of course uh let but and let's talk about uh, england i know southgate's got a lot of stick for you know the selections that he's made the sort of style that he has done but like arjun mentioned i think while watching it we were probably had our hearts in our mouth more often when england were on the attack than when france was uh so you know this credit go to the fact that to england i don't know whether you want to give credit to southgate or to the england about how they managed to press france much better because france apart from griezmann and dembele up front were there was no press whatsoever mbappe wasn't pressing uh, the commentators themselves said that he's not going to press so fair okay so that's one person you're not going to press giroud's positioning until i suppose before he scored was completely off he was i don't know how giroud finds himself offside he the guy doesn't run he doesn't do anything he's just if he's if you're not running or you're not that fast you really don't need to find yourself offside i don't know i'm probably great from england's uh, defense to probably keep him offside or to play the offside trap when for giroud but uh, overall what did you make of england as an attacking unit rather before we get to on to the defensive side well uh, england's attacking i think we'll give them credit and say they did well in spite of southgate uh, like arjun mentioned probably henderson didn't help with the attacks moving forward and i mean uh, you can't really fault henderson for that that's not what he's in the side to do so but uh, whenever he was trying to support saka it was it felt more like he was a hindrance than a help to saka cuz he try and give the ball for a quick one two and henderson would probably just sit on it for days so yeah uh, i think in spite of the selection that southgate made they did do a good job um, we as usual as we've come become accustomed to seeing harry kane has become a pretty good supplier of the ball he drops back kind of spreads out the play and thanks to the lack of pressure from the french uh, he had enough time to kind of look up and pick out the passes that he wanted uh, foden probably didn't have the best of games but whenever he did try and kind of uh, run circles around konde he seemed to be able to do it at will but it was just a matter of him doing it which he for whatever reason wasn't able to 
Saka, like Arjun mentioned, and you also kind of touched upon it, he was probably the best player. He was a little bit more direct than the other English, and which helped Theo Hernandez being a little bit more attacking-minded also probably helped him with his cause. So uh, he was able to make penetrating runs into the box uh, and kind of get all the show the inexperience of the French defense, and that's where I guess the penalty came. Uh, needless tackle probably. Second penalty was the same. Uh, I think even the free kick that Rashford uh, took at the end was a needless uh, foul to be given. I mean, it's not that had uh, Maguire was going to be shooting from there, so it's more about containing him rather than trying to put in the tackle. So I think uh, French, the French inexperience, and also I think it kind of showed us that France is not all. That they seem to be, I think we gave them a lot of credit uh, because of previous results and probably the previous World Cup. Just and we just assumed that France is going to be the same France of old. But I think yesterday's game, when they were really under pressure, you could see that you know it was getting to them. I think uh, the statistics showed also their inability to win the ball back as quickly as England were. England, I think they were showing was like under 10 seconds or something like that, which is unheard of in think, a football game. I think it was, 20, it was 20 seconds and 32 seconds for France, but yeah. Probably, I, I'm yeah. probably remembering it wrong, but yeah. Uh, but it was significantly quicker than the French were. They were very late off and unimaginative again, I I think I've said that quite a lot about many of the teams, so let's avoid that. But um, yeah, you could see that they were predominantly boxed in, um, weren't able to get out much, and you have to give England credit for that, I guess. They managed the game. They um, they managed Mbappe well. I think Dembele was slightly off. He seemed to be a, uh, a step or two slow. There were a couple of times where the ball reached him and he wasn't expecting it and it was yeah, just yeah. a bad control and he lost the ball. So, it was a kind of a weird game because you expected quality on both sides and it kind of failed to deliver on that front. But I think as a spectacle and at the end, uh, the way the goals came about, I think uh, that was pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I, I, know, we, I know Arjun wouldn't like hear this, but I think Harry Kane really put Upamakana to the sword there. I think he used the fact that he managed to use his physical like his physicality against Upamakana, who's had a, a really good World Cup until last night. Like, he had he's been quite uh, an impressive, like, I know he's young he's got lots to learn, but he's been quite solid in defence. Uh, but Harry Kane and then eventually even Saka, but Harry Kane initially when he turned Upamakano like he was nothing and almost concede, like almost sc- scored there, right? Uh, against Juventus, like it really showed that you know this French French defense isn't what it is. Like Kunde, oh my God, Kunde is so frustrating to us. I know right backs is not his position, but like it's so evident. It is so evident that he doesn't prefer playing there. Um, Theo Hernandez. Again, it's, it's he's not. A, I mean, he's great, but he isn't like going to be a world-class beater. He's not going to take on every winger or every defender. Uh, so, I really felt that France were there for the taking. Uh, that 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 second penalty by Theo and I, I don't know what he was thinking. Like, I know the ball. The ball wasn't even going to who was it? Foden or no? Uh, Mason Mount. Mount. Mason Mount. Mount. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Seconds before before that, I texted on the uh, group saying that why they brought Mason Mount. He's useless, and then he wins the penalty. But that was that was that was stupid. Like I don't understand what the Hernandez was doing. And even in the last dying moments, where like you mentioned, Aaron, when they took out when they took out Harry Maguire, like he even if like it'll be a like if Harry Maguire actually scored from there, like hands. Like you can't yeah, do anything. Yeah, fair to him. Fair to him, but yeah. What are the odds of that happening? And you'd rather let him take the shot than have like a Rashford or some a free kick, kick play. And that was really close. And yeah, he wasn't far off. So yeah, mind saw what happened in the Argentina game as well, right? Like you don't know what. Maybe they practice something special or something unique. So you never really know, and you don't want to be caught out with that. And Added to all of that, Hugo Lloris was so suspect. Every time the ball went to him, either in the air or at his feet, I was closing my I closed my eyes because I didn't know what was coming. Like his his distribution was poor or shocking at times, and his his aerial abilities were mind-boggling. I I remember there was one point where I don't know if it was from a corner or a free kick where he tr- he just kept going behind and he missed it completely, and they could have scored from there. It was it was basically I won't say an open net, but like they could have scored then. Loris would have looked like a complete ass. But yeah, it's definitely I think some credit goes to England. But yeah, I, again Harry Kane there to spurs it up with that penalty. I can't believe he missed it. I I mean like you've taken the first one with such a plomb and you've managed. You know, like you are a good penalty taker. And there's no denying he's a good penalty taker, but. I can't believe. I don't know if it's the nerves that got him there or what, but it's just the English being English. I did say that they'd get in their own heads. So uh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, very yeah. very interesting thing was uh, I was watching again in in a bar and it was filled with like English or French fans and the people who supported England were only people who were English and the people who supported <laughs> France were people who were like French plus. Neutral. Everyone. So, else. Rest of the world. <laughs> plus the rest of the world. So it it just seemed a bit also you know like yeah like when has it come home like why are you so arrogant like it, it was a bit like that uh, but no I uh, like also don't get me wrong I think I think Harry Kane had a good game I think mm. it would be defined on a very bad moment and that's what people yeah. would remember but he did have a good game and he he has had a good tournament but uh, I think. Uh, I, for the, for I the backward, I think, it's it's nice to. Uh... Uh, uh, do you think he's had good? I think he's had a decent. I think I felt like twenty eighteen was probably a better tournament for him than this one. Uh, I may be wrong. I think. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, I suppose he. I suppose his role has also changed. His more. He's probably become more of a provider. Like Aaron mentioned earlier on, he's become more of a provider. Of, he's dropped back a lot more. Twenty eighteen, he's more a, a poacher and attacking uh, a striker. So yeah, maybe but, that's but why I'm going for. In, in 2018, uh, and even now, like England reached okay the semi-finals and now the quarters, the Euros in the finals. Like the road to get there was not like difficult for them. Like yeah. even the previous World Cup, they played Croatia in the semis and they lost. Sweden in the quarterfinal of the World Cup and they they won. Like those games, okay, like fair. They can only play what's in front of them. But those uh, Euros could have had a more difficult route to actually test if that position was. One but that's the or... case, right? They've done that every World Cup 2018, Euros 2020. They hadn't faced anyone except Italy in the final. 
like yeah. Denmark and all of that. So yeah, you're essentially the first time you play an opponent who is as good as you or even better or better. You they haven't been able to get over that hurdle. So same old yeah, story. Yeah, 2018 uh, World Cup they lost three games. They lost yeah. twice to Belgium and once to Croatia. So and every other game was pretty easy to 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 win. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. in the sense, okay, I'm not saying the game was decided before it started, but If you play Sweden in the quarterfinal, you are expected to win that game. Granted, like yeah. England teams in the past haven't done that with with yeah, Russia and stuff. But but that's again a very low bar, you know. Like if you yeah. consider yourself to be the best team in the world, you have to win against France. You have to win against Croatia and stuff like that. But exactly, fair enough. Uh, the last game we have is Morocco Portugal. Uh, so we see one more. We see Cristiano leave. What, which is arguably his last ever World Cup. Though now his sisters posted saying that 41 is a prime age for <laughs> playing football. So <laughs> never know. Uh, but what did you uh, what do you guys think? Like uh, Portugal, for, like personally, I felt Portugal really didn't do anything. Bruno is probably the only player that maybe had any sort of impact there. He tried. I'm not saying he did much, but he tried. No, like Bernardo's had a shocker of a World Cup. Ronaldo has had a shocker of a World Cup. I I can't think of many people in that. The the keeper, oh my God, for that for that goal, I don't know what he was doing. They flapping his hand about, um, and yeah, I I think they they gave it it all. I think in terms of Portugal, they put all the attackers out there that they could. Uh, oh, even Jao Felix was. Okay, I mean, like, he had few t- moments. Like, like his World Cup been defined by moments. He's had a few moments, but apart from that, been nothing. So, what did you guys think, uh, Arjun, of the Morocco game? Yeah, I think, um, like, as a way to set up a team, I think Morocco have it down to like, like well drilled, well set up. Uh, they, they, I think, were what we were talking about. What Brazil should have done, you know, like they scored. Doesn't matter how. They took off all the players who are considered stars, so to speak, uh, and then defensive block with a five-three-two, and those two players were very quick up front, and then five-three-two. That's it, and they 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 literally just had a flat block. So you, it, it was very difficult for any team to create chances against them. I think everyone's spoken about this quite often that they've only conceded one goal in this World Cup, yeah. and that was an own goal. uh but their expected goals against was 3.8 of 4 across the whole tournament so that means they should have conceded four goals but they didn't and yeah. I, i don't know if that's a luck thing or uh just circumstance thing or bad finishing by the opposition across the games because i'm talking about this for the whole tournament right not just one game yeah yeah but uh even yesterday portugal had i think what one half chance that ronaldo had Uh, yeah. One half chance that Jao Felix had, one mm-hmm. header that um, Pepe missed. Rama? Pepe had. Pepe or Rama? Pepe. Pepe. Pepe yeah. That's it. Yeah, and Ramos also had one also. wide. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was just a few things, but I think you could also see the panic set in in the Portuguese team because after forty five fifty minutes, you concede yeah. and then you bring on Bernardo Silva. You have you have Bernardo Silva, Jao Felix. Ramos, Ronaldo, and Bruno playing all for forty minutes in a semi-final of a World Cup. Who's your midfielder? <laughs> like, who's there to yeah. hold back? Because 
even then, like Morocco had a couple of chances after that. Like oh, yeah. uh, I think Ryan, you mentioned this at the end, the one-on-one, the midfielders had a free run to run. All of this was only because they panicked, you know. Like yeah. calm down. Like it's okay. You have forty minutes to score. Like you have enough quality. Like the Portuguese team has enough quality to score a few goals past Morocco. But I think the 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 lack of trust in their own formation is what I think caused them a downfall. Like you don't start Ronaldo, I get it. Like you because he doesn't play the way Portugal play. He doesn't run anymore and press anymore and all of that. Why do you deviate from that formation just because you concede a single goal in the first half? Like I think I think yeah. the, how a team commits to their principles is what will take them further. And I think Morocco committed to their principles better, and that's why they they are in the semi-final. And that's well earned, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. In terms of the moment they started putting Ronaldo and every other attacker, Horta on and everybody on the pitch, it was like, okay, this is all or nothing. And Morocco were just laughing there. I think they were like, sure, come and like, oh, like they knew that the Portuguese players were so out of form that. You know, Hakimi on the right. And I don't know why, but they just kept targeting Hakimi on that side. And I'm like, that's their best defender. That's the best fullback. Like, why would you try and take him on? Um, and he just was relishing in it. And a lot of chances came from there. And yeah, that last chance should have been put away. I, I, like, that would have been the icing on the cake. But at the end of the day, and this was also despite the fact that, or in spite, uh, Morocco having their ma- second major centre-back uh, stretched off. I think they had Mazraoui who had gone off earlier, who's injured. And now they've got yeah. Saiz who's gone off. And I think one more defender, centre-back, had already been injured. So, uh, despite all of that, the substitutions who have come on, who they stuck to their job. They didn't falter. And I mean, kudos to them. Uh yeah, and also, I, you're talking about the expected goals being four or three. Yeah, I guess some of it's luck and bad finishing, but the keeper as well, Bono, seems so assured. Like, anytime the ball float, is floated in, he's there to either punch it or catch it. And so, that sort of... There's a lot of trust in that back line with Morocco. They're like, they trust each other, they know each other's role, and that sort of worked. Uh, yeah, and he, he, he just yeah. seemed calm. Like, the keeper just seemed very assured. Like, every time the ball goes out, he just started laughing. Like, <laughs> like you could see on camera, you know. And I'm like, aren't you even a little bit pressurized to play this game? Like, against Portugal? No. But I suppose that's the... I, and I don't know, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I suppose that's the benefit of being like an underdog who there aren't any huge expectations. Everyone expected Portugal to win and everyone expected CR7. So, the fact that you're just there playing and the fact that you're leading 1-0 and... Portugal are struggling to get past you. I mean, you laugh it out, like, what else can you do? You really don't... There's not that much of a pressure on you. Yeah. I think just uh, them being able to go out there and enjoy the spectacle. I mean, the Moroccan fans were amazing out there. I mean, they were just so boisterous. Everything was drowned out except for them. So, uh, yeah... With with the expe- without the expectations plus the positive of going ahead and then we could see it here on the screen that all those Portugal players are just wide eyed and you could see them kind of implode like Arjun mentioned they just deviated from their initial tactics which 
was so unnecessary. You all you would see was them going out wide and then crossing the ball in, which Morocco was dealing with so comfortably. You didn't see them change it. You, they were just whipping in balls, defenders heading it back out, and credit to them, their headers for the most part were quite well directed, so that it forced Portugal to kind of rebuild their attack from scratch again. So they were getting those headers and clearances out quite deep. So. Yeah, I think if it was so evident for us to see the inexperience and the implosion from so far out, I'm pretty sure that kind of buoyed the Moroccans as well who would have seen this and said, you know, bring it on. If, if that's all you're going to do, uh, we're up for it. Um, I think one thing that Portugal lacked was the pragmatism because, I mean, you could see the Moroccan centre-back, I can't remember his name, he was cramping up. Every header that he went out, he was trying to get that leg stretched out and things like that. And uh, it kind of boggles the mind to think, why not try and take them on once in a while through the center? I mean, you can see that crosses are not doing the job. Try something, mix it up, do something different. And it just wasn't happening. And like you mentioned, I think it was only Bruno that kind of showed any sort of desire and fight. Uh, Bernardo Silva had don't know what happened there. Uh, bad touches, bad decision-making, passing was uh, so wavered. And that all kind of then feeds into your own team when you can see someone that's so en- so experienced and is kind of having such a shocker. Then the younger players like Ja Felix and stuff like that kind of think like, is this not our day? Is something going to go wrong here and you could just see that seep through the entire Portugal team and I guess that's how it played out in the end. Alright. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, they even put out Rafael Leao, so they had pace as well. I mean, Dal- Dalo was basically useless on that wing. Crosses were just yeah. going straight into Moroccan head- heads, onto Moroccan heads. Uh, Alright, let's move on to another semi-finals and we probably just like do a quick prediction of what you think is going to happen. So the first Quarterfinal. The first semi-final that's going to happen will be Croatia versus Argentina. Do you think Croatia? I mean, this if it goes to penalties will be really, really interesting because both keepers and both sets of players are pros at it. But do you see that happening, or do you kind of see maybe Argentina having the upper hand, or Croatia will put the suffocation onto the players, onto the Argentinians? Anyway, Arjun, you can go first. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think Croatia Argentina is an interesting game. I think it has some history in past World Cups. Um, I I think Argentina are too good. Like over ninety minutes, over one twenty minutes, and if penalties come into play, I think in all three segments of the game, I think Argentina are just too good against Croatia. I'm not underestimating Croatia, but even in the wins this tournament. They weren't playing that well. Uh, even against Brazil, they didn't play great football, but they found a way to win. I know that matters in football, but I think eventually the performance will come and kind of oh, supersede that. So I think Argentina know how to win. Argentina can, I think, tackle a, a defensive block if that's how Croatia decided to set up. So I think it will be a close game, but 2-0 to Argentina, I think. Something okay. like that. All right. Fair enough. Aaron? 
Uh, yeah, I think similar to Arjun. I th- only thing I would add is I think compared to Brazil and some of these other teams going around, I think Argentina is one of the teams that are kind of up for a dog fight. You know, there's no yeah. just they're not the delicate players like you see going around. They've got the mixture of both skillful and flashy creativity as well as you know just putting in hard tackles, running up and down. you know uh closing down players and things like that way so uh i think that's a, that's going to board well for them um like arjun mentioned over 90 minutes or 120 minutes so even if it goes down to penalties argentina is experienced in all facets of those and you do expect them just looking at that side you do kind of see that at the end of the day they, that they are quality and they are ability to grind out games should put them in good stead so i think probably a 2-0 win for them i don't see it going to penalties to be honest okay hopefully i mean can't be yeah, there to sit down again at 11 o'clock yeah i i think i don't think it'll be 2-0 i think it'll just be a 1-0 victory uh, but i think it might go to extra time i unless maybe a messy penalty wins it early on but i i think like a shout out to like guardiol i mean he's he against brazil was in crazy form i think he's been uh, one of the lone def- I, i mean shout out even to lovrens who surprisingly been quite like silent like he's been the quiet consistent performer no one's really talking about it but i think guardiol has been putting those really insane performances and i feel he might stifle he might stifle argentina for a while i I'm guessing maybe I think a messy penalty uh, now I I would say maybe in the in extra time but it could be even before that so I I would think 1-0 uh, to Argentina uh, but let's see how that goes. Uh the next semi final that we have is France versus Morocco and I think I would really love for Morocco to put up a great fight but I feel like the fact that Morocco may be hard getting hard done by a lot of injuries like even we saw Ziyech go off for a, and he was substituted immediately uh they saw the center back get uh you know he was subbed off so it would have to be like a free goal like how we saw against portugal where it's like from a corner or a set piece or from a free kick or even from a cross basically where uh, morocco score i think france though definitely have the upper hand uh jerus again he's been such a great player for france he comes up with the goods or even if mbappe doesn't He's always there. He's the other threat. For me, Griezmann's been the best standout performer. The way he's reinvented himself as a midfielder, as a cam, and the, the one doing all the pressing. Um, I I suppose that would be like a three-one victory for France. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, the physical conditioning of the Moroccans will probably be tested here and. Um, Yeah, I it will be scary to watch two uh blistering quick players bearing down on them in Dembele and Mbappe so that will be something that uh Morocco will kind of have to see how they want to set up to kind of deal with that. Um again, uh we'll have to see what happens with their center backs and how they kind of turn out for that game because you've got someone in Giroud who's smart and knows how to get into positions to score goals so it's not going to be easy and none of their games have been easy but uh yeah this is like a whole different monster to kind of deal with because you've got uh 
well, we didn't see it in the last game, but you've got a attack that's pretty dynamic. You've got people that can shoot from outside the box, people that run down the wings, and then you've got Giroud in the center. So, yeah, they've got a lot of uh, kind of areas to kind of uh, batten down and very uh, kind of you know uh, take care of. So that's going to be interesting. If Morocco are to score, like you said, I think it's probably going to be um, down to Loris having one of the moments like the Portuguese goalkeeper had coming out for a ball that wasn't there. And he almost did it last night when he was yeah, yeah. Uh, probably down on his butt and the ball just ricocheted to him and into his arms and he was lucky there. So, um, I'm hoping that uh, Morocco do put up a fight and hopefully maybe get a goal. But I do see France winning it by a couple of goals, I guess. Yeah, I think also to be you to mention that Hakimi will probably be the one to keep Mbappe quiet. He's on the right-hand side. Yeah. Mbappe will play on the left wing. So, that'll be interesting to see how that... I mean, Hakimi is no like, slow uh, defender. Like He's not a, any... I don't know what he says, slow poke or whatever you call it, but like he's not going to be <laughs> sitting idly there. He will try and uh, irritate the living hell out of Mbappe. Uh, Arjun, your prediction? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult game, right, to predict. I, I don't want to yeah, yeah. go hipster and say Morocco, but I think, I think the game comes down to can France uh, beat a very uh, defensive block from Morocco? Because I think that's yeah. what it'll come down to. From what you've seen this tournament, no, they can't. Hmm. Like, even even individually, yeah. like, okay, they've had moments, but no, they can't. And I also disagree a little bit with the way Morocco have scored. Like, I think both of you have said, like, okay, it was a moment of madness by the keeper and stuff. But in a lot of games, Morocco have had very good chances, even apart from yeah. the goal they scored. Like, they have been very good on the counter-attack. So, yes, I think Ziyech being fit is going to be important. I also disagree with both of you, I guess, a little bit on how tired the players will be. Uh, because this is the biggest game in their lives. They're not going to play a game bigger than this ever. So, I don't think... No, I'm, I'm like... Uh, it's not about tired, but I'm, whether they'll be like... Whether they'll be fit at that, because we saw them already... One got stretched off, one's got cramp, one's got yeah. off the feet. So, I'm just... just Based yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, I think the injuries, as you said, right, will have a part to yeah. play, like Mazravi, yeah. Saiz, and Ziyech. I think if they have Ziyech fit, it's yeah. it's it's a very different Morocco team that you're talking about because they have the threat to score uh, a little bit more. Like because I think Ziyech has an excellent left foot. Like you've seen so many times, he's just pass balls across the field. Um, I. I I find it difficult to predict this, but I think I'm just going with my gut and saying 1-0 Morocco. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, after all of this, I really hope for a Croatia-Morocco final. That would really be something. <laughs> that would really be something. I think that would really cap off this tournament of... Which has anyway been like... Had a lot of upsets and all of that. That would really be the ultimate final for... It would be so apt to have that as a final. But yeah, I mean, we'd all want probably Argentina-France just for the spectacle and the big names. But uh, Morocco-Croatia final would be... I don't know how it would be, but it's something that would really... would be a a different spectacle, something different to behold. Um, All right, now, before we end this podcast, a quick, a small game, which is basically for the next next podcast. But we're going to play like a small fantasy game. So I want you guys to do your... 
uh, create a team of five, and based on the fantasy points, uh, we'll see who wins. That's basically it. All right. So obviously the players who are playing now in the semi-finals. So Arjun, let's start off with your goalkeeper. But let's start is, off. Let's one sec. This is yeah, for go. only the semi-finals, right? So only only the semi, only semi-finals. One uh, goalkeeper. Martinez. Martinez. Okay, Aaron, your goalkeeper. Okay, wait, wait, I think wait, I'd wait, stick. Wait, with, okay. I think I'd stick with Martinez too. I think just the experience and his quality puts him up there. Okay, one. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, I just need to put this up here because others I'll forget. Uh, so Martinez and Aaron is Martinez as well. Okay, great. Next up, we've got yeah your defenders or how however you want to play this. So, Aaron, let's go with yours. I think I give Hakimi the nod. Um, center backs. Who am I going for? I mean, uh, yeah, okay. F- let's do one full back, one center back, and then one midfielder and one striker. So that way it'll be five. So great. Okay. So let's let's do full back. So let's do full back first. Arjun, your back. Full- oh, I'll just, okay. Let's do full back first. So Arjun, your full back. Actually, let 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 Arjun go for his center back. I I just okay, need to. Okay. I just need to. Uh, give me a second. All right, Arjun, give me your center back. Um, I think just based off the matchup for the semi-final, I'd probably put Varane there because I don't think he'll be troubled as much. So I'll go with Varane. Okay. Okay. All right. And uh, mm, right. okay, Arjun, go, are you ready? Yeah, yeah. I'd go uh, Hakimi and Guardiola. Okay. All right. Okay. And uh, your midfielder, Arjun. Um. Modric. Okay. Yeah. Think about the points that you're going to be getting, though. So, in terms of where he score, where he not. Yeah, Modric. So, who is that? I didn't okay. get that. Modric. Yours? Yours? Aaron? Uh, I think the Argentina-Croatia one is going to require someone to kind of be do something extraordinary. So, I think I'll go with... Mr. Messi up there. Are we putting... Okay, I'll put Messi as a strike. I'll put him as a forward, so if you want. Okay, I just figured that he is dropping back deep quite a bit. So, <laughs> kind of uh, pass for one. So, okay, cool. I mean, if you uh, consider Messi as midfielder, then I think uh, the, the game dynamics changes a little bit. But, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> cool, let's scratch that then. Um, then I'll probably... Uh, go the same way as Arjun and put him up uh, in Modric there. Okay, alright. And your last one, forward line. Your Arjun, uh, I know Aaron, you're going Messi? Yep. Okay, Arjun? Hmm. <laughs> so many. Julian Alvarez. Oh, okay. Different. Alvarez. Interesting. Okay, so I've got your your team of five. So let's we will reconvene in the next podcast and see how many points you guys have won for all of that. And what's um, your uh, okay? Your... Uh, maybe okay. Let me put mine also since let me also try and play in this this game. So my goalkeeper will be Levakovic. Why not? Oh, actually no. My goalkeeper, yeah, actually no, Levakovic. Yeah, my fullback will be. Oh, that's a good one. I'll actually put Hernandez up there. I think just because I feel like maybe he does this something. Center back, I'm I'm going Gavardio. I don't care what people say. I'm just going Gavardio. Um, my midfield, 
My midfield, I'm going Griezmann. A lot of French people. And oh, actually, wait. You know what? As my full, as my oh, that's gonna be actually as my midfield. I'm gonna put no. I want to put ZX somewhere, but I can't put that. Screw it. I'm gonna put Hakimi as my fullback. Also, just because because I'm gonna put my attacker as Giroud. He's not failed me so far. He's not gonna fail me again. All right. So that's my top five. All right. So uh, we will. Obviously, we can win in the next podcast to see how we've done so far. Uh, and if anyone else is joining us for the next for the next podcast, we'll get their top five as well now and figure it out before the game start because this will just be unfair. Uh, and we'll keep the, the the points will be as per the fantasy league points what the what each player gets. So we'll see how much we get in total. But until then, thank you, Arjun and Aaron, for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for recapping the quarterfinals for us. And yeah, it was, it was nice talking to you, chatting with you about the World Cup. Hopefully, you can now do that for the semifinals and see whether there are more surprises, what surprises lay in store for us for the future, whether it will be an Argentina-France, Argentina-Croatia, or a Croatia-Morocco. I don't, see, I don't see it being like a mixed bag. I don't see it France, being like Argentina. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Yeah, France, Croatia, uh, part two. Yeah, uh, like a yeah, another. Uh, so yeah, definitely would love to have you on that podcast. But thank you once again for coming on here and giving your thoughts on this. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and thank you to those of you who are watching this. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and let us know what you thought of the quarterfinals and what you expect from the semifinals as well. Yeah, if you're listening to this on the audio podcast, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, do follow us. You can also follow us on Instagram. You know, the links are all in the description down below. You can also see this on the screen. If you're watching this on YouTube, you know where to follow us on. And I'll catch you all on the next episode where we'll be recapping the semifinals and talking about the finals. I'm your host, Praddy, once again. You stay safe and see you.